here, and I want to just, I want to start, we're in the middle of a series here, I want to start today, I want to, I want to show you some clips from the Nativity story, Vaughn, would you help us? I just, I love that, and we have, uh, that I just thought it was such a beautiful representation of some of the scriptures, and I want to invite you to hear what happens just after this, uh, which is portrayed in this movie, of course, fictionalized just a little bit, but turn with me to Luke chapter 1. It'll be on the screen for you. There's Bibles in front of you. Also, of course, on the YouVersion app under More and Then Events. And you can actually find these preloaded for you if you'd like to do that as well. So after this story that we've just seen portrayed uh, here on screen, we, we, we hear in Scripture that Mary breaks out into song. In fact, this por portion of Scripture is called Mary's Song. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46, says this, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Now listen, this morning's message is not for anyone who feels super confident, like they're always right where they need to be. You always have the attention of the right person at the right time. You always know where you stand. And certainly, you always have every prayer answered immediately, exactly as you prayed it by God. If that's you, I want to invite you just now to open up your phones and go ahead and work on that next level of Candy Crush. Go ahead. Just have a, have a moment. If that's you, that's okay. That's just it's not for you. It's okay. But I'm really glad you're here still. Uh, but this message is not for you. I suspect, of course, that's not any of us. <laughs> that's not any of us. Life's just not like that. It's more like these questions, how many of you have ever been left behind in some way? Or how many of you have ever been left out of a group chat or a party invite? How many of you have ever been picked last or begrudgingly picked uh, to be on a team? Have you ever been out? I thought this happened to me. Okay, I guess we'll take Tracy. <laughs> Yay, you're welcome. How many, have you ever, uh, how many have ever been talking to someone and you can just tell they're not listening to a word you're saying? Is that what's happening right now? Wait a second. Wait. No, you're laughing. So no, you're listening. All right. How many of you have you ever had a birthday that nobody remembered? Yeah. I mean, all of us. It's part of the human experience, isn't it? Some, one of these things or another. In our spiritual lives, let me ask you, how many of you ever prayed and felt like it just hit a ceiling? Have you ever felt so small in the world that you didn't blame God for not noticing you or hearing you? Or if you've ever wondered, like, why God is so silent in the midst of the hardest thing you've ever had to go through. For someone who wants to follow Jesus, if that's the desire of your heart, hearing from God or not hearing from God can take up a lot of time and space in your heart and in your mind. There are literally countless books in, at the Christian bookstore uh, about this topic, about how to hear from God. There are strategies about how to hear from God. There are theologies built to help us understand what our human experience is like when it comes to hearing from God. 
Some days, I will admit to you, I, I do, I feel powerful in my walk with God, and I know the Spirit enables me, and I know that I'm a co-heir with Christ, and the Father is pleased to give me the kingdom. This is what I, uh, on a reader board in my kitchen, it says, uh, do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom, in the book of Luke. Sometimes I just feel that in my spirit. I feel like I've been given authority from Jesus to fight and win against Satan's schemes in my life. Hallelujah. There are days that you just walk in that kind of confidence. And some days, I just feel small in so many ways. Sometimes I see myself in light of who God is and how many billions of people there are in the world. And I just kind of feel foolish for thinking that he might hear me and he might see me. Sometimes it's not even that. It's my own faithlessness, my own sin, my own failure have me feeling disqualified in some way. Maybe you felt like that. Is that just me? Probably not. Now, our faith doesn't depend on our emotions. I don't want you to misunderstand me because all the things I said first are all completely true every day, no matter how I feel about them. But I just want to acknowledge that some days that is how it feels. And I love how the nativity story portrays this in Mary. Mary is given a lot more dialogue, of course, in the movie uh, than we have recorded in scripture. But I think it really probably captures well what a teenage girl from an insignificant town who just found out that she was going to become someone's wife might feel. Who am I? Here I am in my simple life, without status, without means. Why me? And who's going to believe me? There's just so much mystery and beauty in how God chooses to do things. I, 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 love, I, just, I love the nativity story for that reason, that's for sure. And there's one element of his choosing Mary that I really wanted to bring into focus this morning in just these next couple of minutes. We've been talking this, this whole month in the, in the, in, during Advent, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about Jesus' family tree and how some of those listed in the genealogy of Jesus point to some of the most significant things that he will be and he will do in his ministry on earth and beyond, what he's going to accomplish through his life, death, and resurrection. So Tamar uh, points us to Jesus as the redeemer of our lives and the redeemer of our stories. And Rahab points to Jesus as the rescuer of our lives. David points to the royalty and majesty of the true king, Jesus himself. And Mary points to Jesus as the one who, uh, who shows that God sees and remembers. In Jesus' genealogy, here's how it sounds in Matthew chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It goes through, um, starts at Abraham, and it ends like this. And Jacob, the father of Joseph. Did you know that Jesus' grandpa's name was Jacob? Yeah, you don't care. You don't think you care. I just thought it was interesting. I'm going to talk about it on Christmas Eve, just in case you're wondering, because I, I just found that fascinating. I never wondered who Jesus' grandpa was. Right here, just so you know, we're going to talk about it on Christmas Eve. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. See, time is a funny thing. When emotion is involved, time gets really, really super exaggerated. The lineup at Tim Hortons takes forever when you're in a hurry. And if you're not in a hurry, it's, it's no big deal. When you're with an old friend catching up over dinner, that time just flies by. 
If you're waiting for test results from your doctor's office, it feels like an eternity. The week between Christmas and New Year's is coming. And it will feel like it never happened. Like you won't know what day it is. You won't know what time it is. You know, are you, I'm kind of looking forward to that week. That's going to be fun. And ask your kids, does it feel like Christmas is coming quickly or slowly right now? Right. But sometimes, of course, it's just the opposite. How long can you spend scrolling through TikTok or on Netflix or in that novel or watching football? The time just sort of disappears. In fact, when things are good and normal in our lives, we don't notice time actually all that much. But when we are worried or uncomfortable or nervous or anticipating something, time and how much time is passing is all we can think about. And it is sort of similar in, in, a, in, a, in a way for Mary and the Jewish people, because Mary was a Jew, and they, are, they were a people who had been waiting for so long for something. So long for something that I suspect they weren't even watching the clock anymore. They just lived in a perpetual state of longing as a people, waiting for something, waiting for something, waiting for something. That's why um, in the season of Advent, we often sing, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. Very intentionally written in a minor key. Very intentionally showing the longing that the Jewish people were feeling, waiting for the Messiah. Mary is certainly proof that there were still those in Israel who still believed that the Messiah would come and rescue them. You can imagine, though, how many people, how many of the Jews had given up hope? It had been hundreds, even thousands of years. They'd been looking for the Messiah. God had promised them uh, many thousands of years before that he would send them a savior. In fact, the first promise of a savior is found in Genesis chapter 3. So if you're looking at your Bible here, you can see the blue tabs. That's what we read this morning. It's been this long that they've been waiting for this Messiah. So much time had passed. So much was at stake for their people. But how much longer could they hold on? But here's the thing that I think that Mary does and helps us to see in this lineage of Jesus. That God did remember. And he not only remembered his promise, but this whole time he had been working out his perfect plan, even if they couldn't see it. So how beautiful is it that in Jesus' family tree, his mother, Mary, is the last name in his genealogy before it says that the Messiah had come? And how beautiful is it that she would display the kind of humility and also confidence in God that she did? She shows us that for all who, wait, who are waiting, all of us who are waiting, all of us who have a longing in our hearts, God has not forgotten us. He sees and he remembers. There is so much to say about this passage in Luke. I love it so much. There's, there's so much and we always you know, grab different parts of it throughout the month of December and come back to it every year and that that's, makes my heart really happy. 
And one of the things that I was thinking about when thinking about Mary being here in Jesus' lineage, of course, is that it seems that Mary was chosen to carry God's son because she was one of those faithful in Israel who understood that with God, nothing is impossible. I mean, in fact, the angel says that to her, and she says, okay. That's how I interpret her, saying, okay, yes, okay. She was chosen out of everyone else who was alive at the time. She was chosen when, in our view, looking at her life, there was certainly more people around who were probably more worthy or more high-born, or more well-positioned. But each one was passed by for Mary. And in her humility, Mary understood that she was favored by God, not because of something that she had done, but just because God chose her. And how incredible that is. And just receiving this grace from him was just incredible to her. And so all of that pours out in this song that we read already this morning. And you may hear it referred to as the Magnificat, which is called, again, Mary's song in the NIV, the Magnificat. Magnificat is uh, named after the first word of this phrase in the Latin, Magnificat anima mea dominum, which would mean my soul magnifies the Lord. So you'll often hear this song referred to. It's so famous because it's Mary's response to what God has done, what she has now understood, even even in part, because she doesn't know the whole story yet, that God would choose her, that God would see his people, that God had remembered all of this time, and that God was, in fact, working the miracle he had always promised. And by the way, the fact that Mary uh, refers to so much of the scriptures in the Old Testament in her song shows you that Mary had a deep knowledge of the scripture herself, even as a young woman. And this teenage mom essentially is prophesying in her song. It's so cool to think about that. And she says a couple of things that are pretty revolutionary here. She says that God scatters those who are proud even in their thoughts. In other words... We know now, as we understand what she was saying, that following Jesus will be the death of pride. It's a place of humility. It's a place of surrender. She also says that um, God, will, God brings down rulers and he lifts up the humble. In other words, following Jesus is putting an end to the world's labels and the world's prestige and, the, and what the world thinks is significant or useful because he's obviously got a different plan and a different way of doing things. And thirdly, she prophesies that, that, that God is going to fill those who are hungry and the rich are sent away empty. And in other words, following Jesus reorders things to take care of those who are in need, first and foremost. Mary sees herself as the least likely to be chosen. But she realizes something in this song. She declares it, that when God is at work, It doesn't matter if you are the least likely of anything. And through her, her people are remembered and will finally be set free. It's pretty incredible. Mary is pretty clear in her response to what is announced to her. And even the confirmation of it when she's with Elizabeth. She's no one special except that She is seen by God. Her choice to follow him and to learn his word mattered because it put her in this position 
to be able to be underst understand what was going on, understand that she could say yes to what the, God was asking her to do. Her choice to stay hopeful and to look for the Messiah, when I'm sure so many around her had given up, it really mattered. It's because she was, again, ready to say yes. When the time came, she was able to say to that angel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the word servant here literally means slave girl. I am the Lord's slave girl, which is a, an expression of full obedience, doing whatever, the, whatever was the will of the master was what she wanted to do. So she couldn't be sure what that meant for her, although I'm sure immediately she thought, well, this is going to be difficult. But she didn't really know the full scope of what her life would be. <laughs> we were talking about this in the office today. Mary, did you know? It was like, yeah, she knew. I'm like, I don't know if she knew. I think she knew. I don't know if she knew. That's your baby boy. Do you guys want to sing that with me? One day, what? No, it's not in the service order. I don't know what she knew. I don't know everything that she knew. She obviously, when the angel comes to you and says you're pregnant, uh, but you're still a virgin, there, there's obviously a lot that would go on through your mind. But her response, because she was ready in her heart, she was looking, that she, her response was to say, okay, yep, I am the Lord's slave girl. Do, do, what, do what you need to do with me. It's so incredible. You guys, it's so incredible. Her heart, her humility. Mary's place in Jesus' family tree points us to the God who remembers. Even when people had given up hope, even when people had stopped looking, even when people had stopped trusting, stopped putting their faith in God, she didn't. And she was the center, in the center of that miracle. God promised mercy to Israel through Abraham and his descendants, and God came through by sending Jesus to accomplish the greatest act of mercy that has ever been done. And so I wonder if there's a part of our hearts where we can look at Mary's story and see that her life and her response shows us that God, not only, God, God, that God not only saw her in her circumstance, not just saw the Jewish people in the circumstance that they were in, but this is the same God we worship today, and he is the God who sees you too. He sees you exactly how you are. He doesn't need you to be high-born or well-positioned. He doesn't need you to have any fancy degree. He doesn't uh, need you to come perfectly. Do you think Mary was a perfect person? No, no. But she was looking for the God who would rescue her. And he met her because he remembered her and saw her and ended up doing incredible things because of her obedience to him. Do you know that God sees you too? In fact, he thought about you even before you were born. That he remembered you and, and saw you and knew his promise to you before you were even born. Romans 5, 6 to 8 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Before you were born, this plan was enacted. Before, before we, were, we, we were powerless, we didn't know God, we didn't know anything about him. 
thousands of years actually even before this moment, but God had a plan and he already saw you and he already wanted to be in a relationship with you and so he made a way through Jesus. It started in Bethlehem. Actually, it started actually in this conversation that the angel had with Mary. And he was working a plan to say to you today, he still sees you. He still knows you. He still loves you. And even if you don't know him or even if you're far from him and even if you, you feel forgotten by him, I'm here to tell you that the scriptures point loud and clear to the fact that he sees you and he loves you and he's calling you too. Mary reminds us that we serve a God who remembers and sees. And remember that this scripture says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we had solved every problem and made ourselves perfect, which by the way, if you have figured that out, please come and see me. I need to know all about it. But while we were still sinners, because we are not able to do this for ourselves, we're not able to make our own hearts right. There's nothing we can do to earn this. He saw us and he loved us and he came for us. And so I love seeing this story as best as we can all of, these, all of this time later through Mary's eyes. To think of the power of just understanding that we serve a God who sees, he remembers, and he loves. And so I, I wonder this morning again, do you know that he sees you too? Do you know that he loves you too? And you don't have to do anything to earn that, but simply say, I believe, Jesus, that you actually did come for me as well. That you didn't forget me and I don't have to earn your love, I don't have to earn your grace, I don't have to earn this mercy, but I can literally just come. I know some of you in this room are far from him. You maybe knew him at one point or you thought you did. And just, your life has created a lot of distance and I would just say to you, do you know he still sees you? How much he loves you. And even that he would call you back through this nativity story again. Say, this is what I, I did for you. I love you so much. I did this before you even knew who I was. Before you were even born, I did this for you. And those of you who are new to this idea, maybe you're a guest here, maybe you're just coming, you're like, I don't know, like church is cool. I want to see kids in their costumes. That's always a good time every single time we do it. That's cool. But I would invite you that this story is for you. This is for, this, is, was, this is for everyone. The gospel is the most inclusive story known to mankind. That all of us, no matter who we are, where we're from, no matter what our past has been, and no matter where we find ourselves today, that this gospel, this good news is for you. So I want to invite you this morning, if that's you, I want to invite you to talk to somebody who you know who has a relationship with Jesus, they, they, they come to church and they, they would, they would uh, call themselves a Christian and say, like, I want to know more about that. Maybe you're off campus with us. Hi, off campus. If you're off campus with us, we, we want to say to you, um, you, can, you can chat right now uh, with your live stream host and, and say hi and ask questions. You can also go to our website, freedomkw.com life. There's lots of information about what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love to have you make that decision. This is a moment it's in this season, again, we, I mean, every Sunday, is, it's, it's true, every day of the week, this is available. We remember this season, the incredible gift given to us through, through Christ.
And how he did this, how he saw us, how he remembered us, and how he fulfilled his promise even long before you were here because he already saw you. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask this morning that we would see the gift of your life, death, and resurrection. We would see it not with our eyes, but we would see it with the eyes of our heart. We would understand uh, freshly, those of us who have known you for a long time, that this season would be a, a beautiful and deep reminder of all that you have done, that those of us who have felt, even in these last seasons, that maybe our prayers aren't reaching you or we just, we just feel distant from you, that this would remind us, that, that Mary's response would remind us that you are the God who sees. You're the one who lifts up the humble. You're the one who provides for those who are in need. You're the one who reorders things and takes care of everything, and you're the one that we can continue to trust in every season. And I pray for those who know you but are, just feel so far from you. They, we, they've made decisions that have, have separated you from them, and I just ask, Jesus, would you come by your spirit and, and just speak peace and life pray you would make yourself known in, in beautiful ways through conversations, through your word, through song, through whatever means it is that you would call someone's heart. But Holy Spirit, we, I ask you to, I just trust you to do that work, that you would be drawing hearts closer to you. Just like you did when you, when you showed up and told Mary that she is seen and her people have been remembered and there is a miracle on the way. God, could you do it here again? Your favor rests upon the lowly. And we thank you for it. We just, we just ask that you would come and give us that favor by your presence today. And Jesus, by all those who have come and have never experienced a relationship with you, I pray that you would make yourself so known to them today. That it wouldn't be uh, because of any, any words or any particular thing, but we just believe, Jesus, that you are so good and you're so loving and that you are real and you are alive, that you would come in your presence and make yourself known to those who need to hear that message of hope and grace and peace. Those who, who need to give up control of their lives and, and surrender and say, Jesus, I, I want my life to be led by you instead of me. I want to be free from these sins. I want to be free from this guilt and I want to be free from this shame and I want to receive a free gift of grace from you. I want to walk in mercy instead of walking under the weight of what I've been walking in. I pray, Lord Jesus, would you draw hearts to yourself that people would make a decision to follow you with their lives and that you would show them what real true life really feels and looks like when it's given to you. Lord Jesus, we also just want to just say thank you for your gift. Again, we've been saying this all morning in different ways, but thank you for the gift of coming. Thank you that you were always working out a plan. At just the right time, you came. At just the right time, you chose just the right people, and you had always been working a plan, even when time seemed to drag on forever, even when it's so easy to give up hope, that you were always working a plan, and so we thank you for that. Thank you for the blessing of being able to, able to experience it and step into it every single day. So God, for every heart, every heart in this place, 
that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are seen and known and loved by you, that you have remembered your promise and that your promise of salvation, of freedom from sin, of everlasting life, all of these things are available to us through Jesus. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for your presence and the work that you're doing in us. In Jesus' name we pray.